Heavenly Father, we recognise that we so often stray from your decrees. And so, Lord, we come and ask that you would send your spirit to us now so that we do not stray today. As we look at your word, O oh Lord, we pray that it would challenge us and comfort us and keep us closer to yourself. O oh Lord, we pray that you would enlarge our faith in you this morning by the power of your spirit. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning we continue our series in the book of Colossians, uh, which we started last week, and this is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Colossae, even though he had never met them. Uh, he was made aware of the, the believers there in Colossae, and so he wrote a letter to encourage them uh, to continue in their faith in Christ Jesus. It seems like some error had crept into the church of some kind, which we will see as we continue our series through uh, the book of Colossians. Uh, but he wants to give them some encouragement. And so last week we saw that he encouraged them by reminding them that he thanks God for them. He thanks God for them, and particularly that he thanks them God for the faith and the love that spring from the hope that is stored up for them in heaven. So in verse 5 we saw that it's the faith and love of the, Colosses, uh, the Colossians that he loves so much and that he is thankful to God for. But this morning I want to look at the fact that he wants to encourage the Colossians by speaking about the gospel which they heard. In verse 5 it says that he thanks God for the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you've already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel. And then he goes on to speak about this gospel that has come to them. And I think it's helpful for us, particularly at this time, while we're considering a virus that is going around uh, the world, how that virus is very much like the gospel in some ways, but also is different as well. And so that's what I want to look at this morning, how the gospel is similar to this virus and the way that it is described, the gospel is described in verse 6. Firstly, I want us to understand that both a virus and the gospel grow powerfully. That the virus, a virus and the gospel both grow powerfully. And we see that with the virus that's going around our world at the moment that is going from country to country, that it's spreading from one country to the next. And the gospel also spread from country to country in the early church. And we see Paul mention that in verse 6. Verse 6 all over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing. It is growing, how far? All over the world. And by the time that Paul wrote this letter, we would understand that the gospel had grown from Jerusalem into Syria, into Asia Minor, into Greece, into Italy, and likely down into Egypt and northern Africa, and then over to Persia as well. North, south, east, west, it had gone all over the Roman Empire. And we see a virus, it can jump from country to country. And the gospel, it jumps from country to country as well. And this world domination is like a virus in many ways. The gospel is like a virus in different ways as we see it dominating the world. It, a virus doesn't care about cultural divisions doesn't matter what age you are, how much power you have, how much, how, many, uh, how much money you have, your financial position. It infects young, old, politicians, princes, slaves, rich, poor. It continues to go. A virus jumps from one person to the next and doesn't really care about societal divisions. And we see that most recently in the, uh, the news that comes forth that Boris Johnson 
the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom has a virus, and Prince Charles, the next in line to the throne of England, he also is not immune from a virus. And the gospel is the same. It converts young and old. It converts wealthy and poor. It converts the powerful and the weak. Now, of course, Paul does mention in 1 Corinthians that not many people were wise and influential uh, who were converted, uh, that it generally are people of lower position are more interested in the good news of Jesus Christ. But that does not mean that people of very high position can't be converted either. And we've seen that again and again in, in history, that people who are very powerful and people who are very wealthy can be converted just as much as a person of low position. So world domination shows that the gospel, uh, a virus doesn't care about cultural divisions and the gospel doesn't care about cultural division. World do domination also shows that a virus can spread very rapidly. It can grow rapidly, particularly under certain conditions. When you look at the virus that we're all facing at the moment, uh, we see how quickly it can move under certain conditions. With air travel today, it has been able to hop from country to country faster than any virus was able to in the past. And it particularly travels in large groups, which is one of the reasons why we haven't got a large group here this morning, or in closed communities, like a cruise ship. Uh, a virus can spread rapidly under certain conditions. And the world domination of the good news of Jesus Christ also demonstrates that it, the gospel can spread rapidly under certain conditions as well. It's very interesting when you consider how quickly the gospel got out without air travel. As I said, all these countries that we would know that the gospel had already reached them, starting in Jerusalem and then spreading out, it had happened within 30 years. We think that the book of Colossi, uh, Colossians was written to the people of Colossae around 30 years after Jesus had uh, died and then been resurrected. And so it spread before air travel quite rapidly when you consider it. And the gospel also spreads quite rapidly in certain conditions. Under times of revival, large numbers of people can become Christians quite rapidly. Times of suffering, people can become Christians. Uh, there can be a lot of people who are interested in Christ Jesus and converting to Christ as a result of the pain and suffering that's in their lives. It can happen in large groups, like church services. That's why we have church services to one extent. We love to gather in Christ's name, but we know that when people come in large groups and hear the good news of Jesus Christ, that there often can be a spreading of the Spirit's work within that group and they become Christians calling upon the name of Jesus. And that's why there's conventions often happen. We have these conventions, conferences, large number of people coming together so that we see the gospel growing rapidly. Uh, I must say that there's a bit of a distinction there in the way that the, the gospel spreads in comparison to a virus in that my experience of cruise ships is not that the gospel is spreading much on a cruise ship. We do like to go on a cruise, but one of the things that I feel always whenever I go on a cruise is that there seems to be a lack of interest in the Lord Jesus. Uh, there's a much greater interest in the things of the world on a cruise ship. And so a virus spreads well on cruise ships. I don't think the gospel spreads very well on cruise ships. So we've seen that world domination of a virus and the gospel shows that they don't in, they're not interested in cultural divisions. They can grow quite ra rapidly, as uh, the verse 6 tells us, that it's been growing all over the world. And then also I should uh, note that world domination shows a virus and the gospel can grow powerfully even as people clamp down on it. 
the way, fact that the virus that we're facing at the moment in our society continues to spread despite what governments do shows how powerful it is. Governments are a bit of a, at a loss as to what to do. Medical authorities are a bit of a loss at a bit of a loss as to know what to do. And even businesses don't really know what to do about do we encourage people to stay home at, from work? Do we keep people in? What, what do we do? We really don't know what to do. And we try trying to isolate things. But it continues to spread. And the gospel does as well. The fact that Paul says all over the world the gospel is bearing fruit and growing shows how powerful it is because people did try to clamp down on the spread of the gospel at its epicenter in Jerusalem. You read the book of Acts and you see that there was this opposition to try and prevent the gospel from spreading. But what do we see 30 years later? It's all over the world. They couldn't do anything about it. It continued to spread. I'll show you one example. Turn with me to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Turn with me now. Acts chapter 5. And we'll read from verse 27. Acts chapter 5, reading from verse 27. So the apostles have already been um, arrested uh, for uh, speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. So they've been witnessing in the early book of Acts, after uh, early part of the book of Acts, after Jesus had ascended into heaven. And so a Sanhedrin meeting, so that's the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders, uh, have the apostles brought before them again. And we pick up the, the, this account in verse 27. Acts chapter 5, verse 27. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. Doesn't get much higher in Jewish circles than that person, the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and saviour, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Peter's not shrinking back now. Uh, he is quite defiant in the face of this opposition from the religious leaders. But what do the religious leaders do? Verse 33, when they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honoured by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin in order that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed them. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thutis appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So much for not fighting against the gospel. They still flog them and tell them not to speak in the name of Jesus. 
And what was the reaction of the apostles? Verse 41, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they'd been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. And continuing with me into chapter 6, in those days when the number of disciples was what? Increasing. The gospel continued to increase. The religious leaders had done what they possibly could to stop the spread of the gospel. And we see that secular rulers also oppose the gospel in the book of Acts, but it continues to increase and grow as the Apostle Paul reflects 30 years later. If you want to see how the gospel is like a virus, then this afternoon while you're in social isolation, read through the book of Acts. Start at chapter 1, read right through to chapter 28. Parts of it are quite gripping. You'll enjoy it. It takes two and a half hours which is about a long movie. How many long movies are you watching whilst in social isolation? Two and a half hours. Read through the book of Acts and see how the gospel spreads like a virus throughout the Roman Empire and see how Paul is there in Rome at the end despite the opposition of religious leaders and secular leaders sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. So the virus... And the gospel are similar in that they both grow powerfully. How else are they similar? According to Colossians chapter 1. As we look at the gospel in Colossians chapter 1 and Paul's description of it for encouragement to the Colossians, how else is it like a virus? Well, both a virus and the gospel may be caught easily. They may be caught easily. A virus often just comes along without you asking for it. And the gospel does the same. Look with me in Colossians chapter 1, verse 6. Speaking of the gospel, uh, it says uh, from verse 5, so we've got a bit of a fragment uh, there, an awkward uh, verse number placement in verse 6, but the gospel is mentioned in verse uh, 5, and then it says, speaking of this gospel, all over the world this gospel is, uh, sorry, this gospel at the beginning of verse 6 says, that has come to you. It has come to you without you asking for it. It just showed up. Epaphras just brought it in. They weren't expecting the gospel to suddenly be there. They were going about their lives and then Epaphras shows up and he spoke the gospel to them and they were suddenly converted. They were suddenly believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the way a virus functions. It just suddenly shows up. You weren't expecting to catch it and suddenly you've caught it and it's the same with the gospel. Some people are interested in catching a virus. Um, if there's some sort of, uh, they're, they're interested in, uh, some people I've heard say they want, to, they want to die sooner and so they say, oh, it'd be good if I catch it and then I can go. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not encouraging such behaviour. But generally speaking, people catch it unawares and it's the same with the gospel. Some people are actually interested and they want to know the good news of Jesus Christ. But a lot of people, they, they are not looking for Jesus and suddenly it comes to them. And they're caught. It usually comes from person to person. We recognise this with the virus. It comes as one person has contact with another. And this is the same with the gospel. It comes from person to person. How did the Colossians get converted? It's because Epaphras showed up. Epaphras, we see that in verse 7. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told of your love in the Spirit. God has always used humans to convey his gospel. Even the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son, the second member of the Trinity, became human to convey the gospel to other humans. 
The virus spreads from human to human to human. The gospel also spreads from human to human to human. And the gospel is also caught like a virus is caught by the body. The body some way ingests a virus and it's the same for us as we hear the gospel. It comes by hearing or by seeing something that conveys the truth of the gospel. It's taken up by our bodily organs. We need our bodies. And then it is taken up by our soul as our body somehow ingests the gospel. And we see that in verse 6. Verse 6. All over the world this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day... How did they catch the gospel? Since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. That is how you catch the gospel, is by hearing and understanding with that mind that God has given you. What do you understand? God's grace in all its truth. We're caught by the gospel when we know that it's by grace we've been saved through faith. Not by works so that no one can boast. We understand that we are saved because Jesus graciously took our sin upon his shoulders at the cross and died the death that we deserve. He took the curse that we should have. He was hung on a tree on our behalf. We understand that and then we believe it and are saved. And that's the gospel message that is given in verse 13 and 14 as well. Verse 13 from chapter 1 of Colossians. For he, that's Jesus, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us, sorry, that's for he, the Father, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of of sins. If we understand with our minds that the cross is a place of redemption for us from our sins, and we believe that it is true for us, we're infected with the gospel. Our bodies have ingested, just like a virus ingests, uh, we ingest a virus and are infected, we have ingested with our bodies the gospel message with our bodily organs and our soul is affected and we are infected by the gospel. So a virus and the gospel both grow and are caught in similar ways. They come to you, they, you take it up by your body and your soul is affected and, of course, the first way that we saw that the gospel and the virus are similar is by the way that they increase. Thirdly, a virus and the gospel both produce fruit. What does it say in verse 6? All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing. We've seen how it grows. Now let's look at how it bears fruit. A virus produces fruit. What sort of fruit does a virus produce? Coughing, sore throat fatigue, shortness of breath, but the gospel also produces fruit. What sort of fruit does the gospel produce? Well, Paul's already mentioned some of the fruits of the gospel in these verses, even this short um, section that we've been looking at at the beginning of the letter. He's taken no time to get to some of the fruit of the gospel. We saw in verse 4 last week, because we have heard of your faith, that's a fruit of the gospel, in Christ Jesus, and of the love of 
you have for all the saints. And we also saw in verse 5, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven. Faith, love, and hope, all fruits of the gospel. And love is mentioned again down in verse 8, as Paul is speaking about the conversion of the Colossians. What does he say? And who also, this is Epaphras telling uh, Paul, he tells them, um, Epaphras tells Paul about uh, the Colossians and their faith, of their love in the Spirit. He told Paul about the love of the Colossians. That is a fruit of the gospel. And of course, we know of other fruits of the gospel, and particularly the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They're symptoms of someone who is infected by the gospel. But notice the difference at this point. I've been looking at similarities, similarities, similarities between the virus and the gospel. But notice the difference at this point. What's the difference? A virus produces bad fruit. The gospel produces good fruit. Fruit of viruses are unhealthy, while the fruit of the gospel is healthy. And the long-lasting fruit of a virus in this world is death. But the final fruit of the gospel is life. Fruit of a virus is physical death, but the fruit of the gospel is eternal life. Eternal life, not just life, but eternal life. Not just a recovery of whatever you may be going through in this world, but eternal life, a recovery of death itself and the destruction that is to come. So we've seen this morning, we've seen the similarities of the gospel and a virus, but we've noted an important difference. And as we've been looking at these things, I think that we can then see the comfort that we can get from the gospel at a time like this. We can see comfort in the power of the gospel's growth through the world and the way it's so easily caught. As we study the strength of a virus, like the virus that we're facing in our communities at the moment, we see how strong it is. It can dominate the world. It can increase rapidly and it can catch people without them even wanting it. It's the same with the gospel. We see how strong it is. It increases all over the world. And people catch it without even meaning to. And that gives us encouragement that nobody can shut the gospel down. It is infectious. It continues to grow from person to person over the world. But we should also notice how the difference between the gospel and a virus comforts us as well. Remember what the difference was? The fruit that the virus produces is vastly different from the fruit that the gospel produces. The good fruit of the gospel comforts us. The world increasingly at the moment only has a message of hopelessness and death. Any message of hope about anything other than the virus is kind of subsumed between, uh, over by news of this hopelessness we have in the face of our, our virus that is spreading in our communities. And the media and the government seem to, that's the only message they've got for us, is that we are all unsafe. And we can give that unsafety to others. That's the message at the moment of the world. But what's the message that Christians have? We have a good news. Not a bad news. A good news. A gospel message of hope and life. We are safe. And we can give that safety 
to others. Others can be safe as we are safe in the midst of a hopeless world. And so I hope we are all comforted by this gospel. Because if you're not comforted by the fact that you have the gospel, then you're not saved. You're not producing the good fruit of faith, hope, and love, and you don't have eternal life. You need to repent right now and understand God's grace in all its truth, that God graciously welcomes you to come and share in eternal life through the gospel of his Son, that you too can have forgiveness of sins. And so I want that to be your sole source of comfort today is that you have eternal life. You have a fruit that is being produced in you by the gospel, a good fruit. And if we are believers, we can be comforted by the way that the gospel is like a virus, that it spreads and increases and is caught so easily. We can be comforted by that power of the gospel and the good fruit that comes from it. But I think that we also should be making sure we are helping grow the gospel that we're making sure that the gospel is growing. We should be fulfilling that command that was given way back long before the Apostle Paul in Genesis chapter 1. Did you notice Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, when we heard it read before? Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Commentators love this uh, verse, uh, Genesis chapter 1, 28, when you study verse 6 of Colossians chapter 1, and they're trying to work out, did the Apostle Paul actually have that verse in his mind? Because he talks about increasing, he talks about fruit, and he talks about all over the world. And so is Paul here instructing us that we often take Genesis 1, 28 as have lots of kids? Is he saying that really to fulfill Genesis 1.28, it is by having lots of spiritual kids, by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ so that there's an increase and there's fruit all over the world. We may be transmitting a virus of death at the moment. I could have it right now. You may have it and be totally unaware of it. And you are helping hasten physical death in other people as you go about your life. Maybe a very isolated life, but I'm sure you're still having some contact, going out to get groceries, going out to get medicines, at a bare minimum. You're having contact with some people. And you may be hastening the physical death of others. I may be hastening the physical death of others. So shouldn't, when we know that, Encourage us even more to be transmitting the gospel that brings life, eternal life, to others. Yes, face-to-face verbal communication is best. I love to speak to someone in person about the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Spirit does honour other person-to-person means that we have available to us. The sound waves we send from our mouths over a phone line can share the gospel. And people can accept Jesus Christ and begin to bear fruit 
fruit that they'd never born before of faith, hope, and love, and have that fruit of eternal life that the gospel alone brings. The messages we send over our keyboards as we touch type, oh, some of you don't touch type, as we touch our keyboards and touch type, some of us, so we can do it a little more quickly than others, we can share the gospel. There are so many opportunities to share the good news of Christ over a keyboard, over, a, over the sound waves that we can emit over the internet or over a phone line. I'm actually finding more and more opportunities to talk about Jesus Christ because of the virus that is going around at the moment. As we live in an increasingly hopeless world, people are open to hearing about Jesus Christ in a way that they weren't before. Are we seizing such opportunities when they come our way? Are we wanting to be an Epaphras? What did, it say? What did Paul say about Epaphras there in verse 7? You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. He was a faithful minister of Christ. Are we wanting to be faithful ministers of Christ? Are you looking for opportunities at this time to speak about the good news that you have accepted yourself about the Lord Jesus Christ and the grace of God in all its truth? Are you seeking to be an Epaphras at this time and bring hope to an increasingly hopeless society that is all around us? Let's come to God in prayer. Let's speak with him. Heavenly Father, we praise you as a God whose gospel is powerful. It is far more powerful than any virus. Even though we see how powerful a virus can be, we know that your gospel is even more powerful. And it produces good fruit. Not bad fruit, but good fruit. Oh Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for our needless anxiety and distress when we have a wonderful God and a wonderful gospel. Lord, we pray that during this time you would help us to be comforted once more by the knowledge of your gospel and to share your gospel with others so they too may produce good fruit and have the eternal life that we so richly enjoy even now. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen.